0: Welcome to Across the Gun Counter, guys. I'm your host, Joe Riva, joined by my co-host, Tyler Weaver. All right, Tyler, and this week we are here with another topic, but before we dive in, we've both been a little hectic with both shops this week, haven't we?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's uh, been pretty nuts. Yeah, I a little bit to the point
0: where even on our days off, we were both kind of just like, yeah, we can't really do fun gun projects or even work on anything we had which included us kind of working on well a muzzle break for my one ar project
1: but yeah you were overall it's just
0: been nuts so with that being said we're back guys and we have a fun topic this week for you and that's what makes a good gun company and now this is a really fun topic for us and this is one i'm really excited to record today because when You know, I had reached out to Tyler today about recording saying, hey, what episode do you want to record? He actually suggested, you know, what makes a good gun company. And I was like, that's that's really funny you say that, because that was pretty much the topic of the shop today when I was at work. That was pretty much all me, (laughs) the boss
1: and uh, the other guy who was there working today. We were all talking about that. You know, and it's nice to hear like that kind of conversation happening out in industry. You know what I mean? Not just, oh, we're doing fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, exactly. So we, we actually were talking about, you know, what makes a cool
0: company? What makes something that what makes someone stand out in this industry? What's gonna make you want to buy from them
1: or what's gonna make you wanna sell for them? What's gonna make you want to push a product? Yeah. Just overall, what makes a company great in this I mean, not just even in this industry, but in general for the most part. Yeah, you, know, you could take this into any industry really. Oh, absolutely.
0: You know, it reaches a bunch of different levels from just their simple not even just the product they offer, but the support they offer afterwards their marketing, how they show stuff off, just everything. There's just a lot that goes into making a good gun company outside of just a
1: solid product. Oh, absolutely. And this is one of the things that really gets me fired up. I mean, I have a degree in business management and just running your own business really helped open my eyes to like what everybody else is doing. And, you know, some companies freaking nail it. Others, I mean, let's be honest, they they miss the mark. Oh, You know, and it's one of those things it's like, you know, of course, look from the outside looking in and it's like, oh, why can't they just do this? You know, hopefully they thought of, you know, they've already thought of it before I have and they have it figured out like, yeah, that's just not possible. But, you know, at the end of the day, that that kind of stuff gets me going. It's
0: funny, too, because like a lot of times you'll get suggestions, too. It's like, oh, well, why doesn't your business do this or why doesn't your business do that? And it's like, well, actually, we tried that. We tried yep, that. Didn't work. We tried that.
1: Yeah. So it sounds great on paper, like a lot of mm-hmm. things, but we implemented. You, you it get a lot school. of that on the internet. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like, oh, they should just do this. It's like, okay, well, are you looking in it? Are you looking at it from all aspects? Okay, where's the material coming from? Start looking at things logistically and see if it works out. Oh yeah, and who's gonna do it? Who's gonna run it? There's just a
0: number of different systems and different cogs in the machine that are moving. That have to get a lot of things going that people think are so simple and they're just not. So yeah. For when it comes to a good gun company and what makes them good, I think we almost have to... Before we even dive into the companies themselves, we kind of almost have to establish, I want to say like a ranking system, like almost a Some sort of like guiding criteria. Yeah. A couple... A list. I know that... I mean, no one wants to be on a list, let's be honest. (laughs) Especially not in this industry. No, but I mean, hey, we probably all are
1: (laughs) because... Hey Joey, regist- <laughs> registrations do not exist. There's no There's no gun registration. No, there's
0: there's none apparently. <laughs> but so let's let's make a list of things that makes a gun company good. And okay. We're not, I don't want to say good cuz I I think good is too boring of a word. It's too vague and too basic.
1: Yeah, it oversimplifies it.
0: Yes. So what makes a gun company stand out? Yes. What makes them go above and beyond? I think there's, for me, there's a couple different criteria. And just from what I've seen. And to start, the first thing is going to be a quality product. The gun company is going to have to have a quality product, number one. You can't have a, a gun company just put out a product that's always going to be failing, unreliable. Jamming. Even these novelty guns. When you see some guns in certain calibers, like that, like beforehand, I was yeah, just well, watching. It doesn't Canadian. survive in the market. Exactly. There's a reason why some people will say, like, "Oh, this caliber is the greatest caliber in the world." And it's like, really, this is the greatest caliber in the world? If if it's mm-hmm. the greatest caliber in the world, why is there only three firearms in the entire market chambered in it?
1: <laughs> the dartic. <laughs> oh,
0: the dartics are pretty cool. It's a pretty cool concept. Let's, you know, if, if you're just looking at it though. Let's,
1: but again, it, it didn't survive in the market. No, not at all. And it's one of the things like for me, I have to say product innovation, which the Dardic was innovative, but yeah. it definitely missed the mark somewhere along the lines. But it's the thing for me, if you're, if you're not moving forward, it, it's just white noise. The only thing I will argue is there are some
0: companies that are, I like to describe as one trick ponies and they do one trick. Yeah, yeah very absolutely. Ponies. And you know where I'm getting at with this. And that's Yelk. And the Glock, Henry. Henry's Henry is the same thing.
1: One. They yeah, just do well, lever actions.
0: Henry's starting to branch out, though. I don't know if you saw it. at SHOT Show. They actually announced a 9mm PCC. Okay. So, yeah, I, I did not see that. Yeah, they're starting to, to, to out I, might, I might have. It's it's kind of neat, actually. I think it takes Glock mags. A propri- There's a proprietary mag for it as well. Mm. And I think 320 mags you can get it in. Okay, and but
1: there you go. Product innovation. Exactly. So you know, that's, they they know what they're good at, but they're also expanding out a little bit. You know what I mean? Trying to bring new stuff. There seems that you know a, a PCC is new, but they see where the market's market is going. Is.
0: And a lot of people yes. have always, you know, one of the, actually one of the last questions I remember overhearing in the shop today before I left was, "What nine millimeter carbines do you guys have?" And that that was really <laughs> cool to me because I've always liked nine millimeters around. I've always you know just a neat cartridge. same here, same here. So, so when you have more and more companies coming out with more 9 millimeter carbines, especially like Henry, like to be honest, even a 9 millimeter lever gun I think would be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just thinking about that right now. A 9 millimeter. I mean, it's really not
1: much different than 38, and I really don't know how they would do it, but it would just be, if someone yeah, could it, do it, that'd be it, cool. It'd be tough because it's a semi-rimmed cartridge where yes. lever actions, yeah, you're typically feeding a rimmed cartridge. I know, but I can dream, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Product <laughs> innovation, innovate, figure out a way. But yeah, no, it's good. one of those things. So basically what I'm getting at, like like you were saying, a one-trick pony, if there's a company that's just putting out the same product or the same variation of products, it, it does tend to
0: become white noise. But there's some other redeeming qualities to those companies, I think, that can really kind of complement not necessarily having the innovative side, but they'll score higher in the other marks. Something oh, yeah. like customer support and dealer support, I think those two things go a long way on both sides of the aisle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like you know, it, it sounds
0: really, it sounds really weird. But one thing I find that people absolutely love is when you get anything with your purchase after the fact. It's even a sticker. Even a
1: sticker, a patch. People a lose chain. their minds for stickers.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, I get it. I love keychains, especially like. Uh, some companies, they'll send us promotional stuff where it's like a an actual pistol keychain. I actually got one of those today. I'll talk about that a little yep. bit later on. Yeah, I have That's a Glock tough. one. <laughs> yeah, I do too. That one's, they're, they're so cool. I love stuff like that. So I understand why a customer who's purchasing a firearm from a company, especially a company like Glock or something like that, you you're you're proud of what you just bought, especially with firearms. Yeah. So you kind of want to have something else to show off that, hey, guns are cool. And you kind of want to show off what you bought. And I think something like a t-shirt, a hat, a patch, anything, it goes such a long way to helping the consumer just further their
1: gun buying experience or gun owning experience. Yeah. And I mean, you just said uh, what I would consider my second factor is just the buying experience. You know, does it come with extras? Does it come with a case? Or is it one of those things like, hey, you literally just get the gun in a cardboard box where now I have to go buy a little range bag or something, you know, a little hard case for, a. I mean, legally pistols have to come with some sort of locking mechanism, but mm-hmm. is that sufficient? Is that up to your standards where some gun companies, the whole case that it comes in locks? So just different
0: things like that. Oh, yeah. The one thing that one of the most common questions I, I hear behind, you know, across the gun counter is, you know, how many mags does this come with? Well, A lot of people will say clips and I'm not going to get into that debate because it's magazines and we all know it. And (laughs) and, you know, but they'll they'll typically ask how many magazines does it come with? And that's because it's why did they ask that question? Simple, because they want to know how much they can keep shooting their firearm. They want to know how many times they as weird as it sounds, a lot of people, they'll just say they want to load their mags up fully and go to the range. Mm -hmm. So if they have 15 rounds or two 15 round magazines, they want to get a third or fourth before they go to the range because they want to have three or four magazines. They want to have that. So if a company is going to offer three magazines,
1: I think, hey, that's awesome. Right out the gate, I'll just say that. Yep. And I mean, you even have other companies that are like really increasing the buying experience. Uh, Silencer Central is another one where it's like, you know, it's blowing people's minds that they can go online, do everything themselves when it comes to purchasing a suppressor you know, uh, they walk you through it step by step, and next thing you know, the, the suppressor can get shipped right to your door. Granted, still an involved process, but compared to having to go to a Class 3 dealer, pick out a silencer, you know, they completely change the buying experience. And they make it much simpler for you, the consumer, to get your hands on
0: a suppressor a lot easier than what you once could. Because. Yeah. I mean even I think it was about 10 years ago I think is when they did that big NFA overhaul I could be mm-hmm. I could be wrong and I I remember you used to have to get like certain sign offs from sheriffs or something like that and you don't have to do that anymore
1: and yeah I believe after it's approved by the ATF they have to send silencer central has to send a um like I think it's a certified letter or something to your uh chief law enforcement officer notifying them that they that don't need to be shipping it to you Okay. I, I believe that's what it is now. Okay, because I think in the past
0: it was like you actually had to get your sheriff to sign off on it or something like that, and yes. there was some legal gray area behind that. But that's neither here nor there. The fact is, mm. Silencer Central has made that purchasing
1: a silencer so much easier
0: and so much more accessible to the general public. Which yeah, so that
1: as people. as like a company is great because it's not like they're manufacturing. Yeah, they might manufacture, or no, I don't even think they manufacture any of the suppressors on their website. But just the fact that they set up their company around selling them differently. Yeah. And that's awesome.
0: Uh, that me. I think that's great. That's a question I've, I've had is like, you know, when it comes to class three dealers, and, you know, there's the whole misconception I because someone's going to say, like, well, class three dealers, there's not really a class three license. And you know what we mean. And yeah. so when it comes to these class three items, I, I don't have as much experience as, behind them as you do. Because. The shop I work for is not, you know, 507 is not a class three dealer. Mm. So it's, it's a little bit different. So if someone like me, who's never really dived, dove in, yep. dove in, who, who's ever dove into suppressors or short barrel rifles, that's really cool to be able to just go online and have someone call you. Cause I, I saw some of that process with you the one day when you and I were in your <laughs> shop working on a little bit, a uh, little bit of things. And you know, you're like, hold on, I got to take this call. And they literally, I think did the screen mirror thing where they were like, yep, click here. Click here, make sure you do this, this, and this. And they walked yep, you through yep. the whole process, which was really cool because someone, you know, like myself, who I'm used to filling out 4473s all the time, just for obvious reasons, I sell firearms. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so used to it that a lot of stuff like that is second nature to me. And I'll try and look over stuff like that. But even myself, I will miss a couple of things here and there. And when yep. it comes to those it, kind of it's items general human error. Exactly. And if, if I recall correctly, in the past, that's what really held a lot of people up with getting their Class 3 items was paperwork errors. And it was a lot of going back and forth. Correct me if I'm wrong there, Tyler. Again, never really went through that process. I just remember reading about that and before I moved over to Pennsylvania, just, you know, reading
1: stuff online and watching videos and whatnot. Oh, yeah, and then there was a couple issues. I believe it was a while back. Like, you could um, put down multi-caliber. for like, like, if you were doing a short barrel rifle, you could put down multi-caliber, and that was acceptable for a while. And then after so long the atf i think decided against that where you had to have like a a main caliber so if you had like a ar-15 you know main caliber would be 556 5. but then you could also have a 300 blackout upper or something like that you Ooh. know but it was registered under the 556 5. upper well yeah even on that
0: atf call about the again the brace keep coming back to the brace thing they were saying mm-hmm. you wanted to register it or if you choose to register it as a short barrel rifle and you were planning on using multiple uppers for it, they would say you have to select a primary, but you yep, can yep. so choose list what other calibers you have for it. So it's kind of weird. I guess they keep,
1: again, they keep kind of going back and forth on things like this. Yeah, but that's the thing when it comes to a a good gun company they're going to make that as simple as possible for the end user so it it will increase the the buying experience at least the the joy of the buying experience you know what i mean cuz let's face it your your average person that wants a suppressor that really doesn't know much about them that's a big intimidation factor oh yeah you know <laughs> having all that paperwork and everything's got to be you know on top of
0: that yep on top of the $200 fee for that paperwork that you're going to be bugging yeah. out, that you're going to wait for that to cash. And then on top of yep, the, exactly. a suppressor, and, I mean, they're that's not cheap you, to begin with.
1: Exactly. They're going to cost you, what, 1000 bucks, give or take? That's what you paid for yours or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, just the buying experience in that sort of situation is absolutely critical. We'll you know, not like, all right, yeah, I think we got your paperwork squared away. Um, We'll see. We'll call you in about, I don't know, nine, ten months. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know?
0: Until that sayonara. So when it comes to the buying experience for just a normal firearm, not class three items or anything like that, what do you think makes a good firearm purchase? Like, what do you think is like the standard bearer? All right, what would you say is like the standard for a gun should come with, a handgun should come with, and what do you
1: think is going above and beyond to come with? I mean, honestly, for a handgun, uh, I'll leave it at a minimum of a spare mag. Okay. I mean, I, I hate a handgun with a detachable mag only come with that one that is in the gun. Mm-hmm. So, it's gotta have a detachable mag. Uh, obviously I think we touched on it that it's gotta have a lock. Honestly, at that I just really want it to be nicely packaged, clean, no dense dings from the factory, stuff like that. Like, really I, I mean, I have a gunsmith's eye, so I'm looking guns over pretty meticulously. I mean, yeah, you do sometimes me it's you just... Yeah, sometimes it's just like, it. hey, just the way this gun was packed in the cardboard, the cardboard rubbed up against the parkerizing. Now it has this kind of a shiny spot on it because cardboard is abrasive. So it's one of those things I'd, I'd like to see the company take care of their product. Like they're handing it off to you. Not like, well, here you go. Best of luck. Hope it gets to you nice. Yeah, that's I've seen a lot of rifle. I'm That's more with rifles. I see that
0: with the boxes yeah. getting damaged. And I think that just has to do with, unfortunately, the nature of shipping a large item like that.
1: Yeah, or like mosin and guns back in the crates. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: that that was the perfect way to ship a gun. Honestly, yeah, just get just, ten of them, put them in a rack like that, throw them in a bunch of crates, and send them off. Yep, exactly. Okay, so spare spare magazine, decent presentable package is what you're saying. Yep. Outside of the minimum legal requirements,
1: the yeah, you know, the yeah. I mean, honestly, manual. I would say keep it simple and you know do it to the best of your ability you know i've even heard about different like uh accessory manufacturers really toying with you know boxes or those little plastic clamshells you know it's like what gets the product to your customer with as little damage as possible something that looks nice something that grabs their attention on the shelf okay. you know magpul's great for that you know okay. they they're very consistent with their boxes their color schemes you know you can just Glance out of the corner of your eye and see the Magpul section, and you know what a Magpul is. Absolutely. Now,
0: it's funny because I actually do like Magpul's packaging. I actually. Oh wait, wait! I have to interject too.
1: And they all come with a sticker. Uh, You know, that's something that gun guys love. I've never (laughs) been a sticker fan, but gun guys love stickers. That is one thing. Once you're buying Magpul furniture for everything, you just get an overabundance of those stupid red stickers. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid or? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love them, but you can only put them on so much. I think we even had one on our stroller. <laughs> Maybe in the end of the
0: world, they will be like bo- they'll be like bottle caps and fallout. There'll be currency, Magpul stickers It'll Just be amongst everywhere. like, yeah. yeah, for gun guys. They'll be like, you know, treating <laughs> it. Oh, man, that'll be awesome. Gun currency for the end of the world instead of ammunition because no one's going to want to give their ammunition up. We're going to exchange gun stickers from different gun companies. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like, oh, man, you got, you got a Glock one? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Six oh, for a smith. You know, something like that. Yep. I got this one. It was a Glock decal. I forget. It might have been from one of their promotional things where they come into a shop and lay a bunch of stuff out for free. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know Glock's slogan, Glock Perfection. Yeah. Literally the R in the sticker was crooked. I knew, so I had to put it on my toolbox just like that. Oh, I know what you're talking just, about. Just yes. the irony of it. I never yeah, glock I, perfection, and one of the letters is crooked. I always wanted to ask you about that. And I thought that was something that you had as a joke, but that was a legit. No, it it literally came like on the uh, what is it, like cellophane or whatever it is. You know the decal, the yeah, that's awesome. you peel off. Yeah, it that's came awesome. like that. I'm like, I'm grabbing that one. That's too funny. That's awesome. I, I... <laughs> no stuff like that is so uh, cool. Fine. Yeah, but... And I mean, for me, when it comes to like a, a good com- gun company, my third point's got to be value exchange, you know, no. is the end customer, like, do they feel like they're getting a good value for the, the money that they're putting up? Glock's a great one. You know, you're not really spending that much money, but they have a damn good reputation for what they are. Well, that kind of goes, kind of goes into
0: what I was just asking you about. Yeah. So you didn't answer my second question there. I'm a little offended. Oh, what was the second question? It is, what do you think for a handgun, you you know, is going above and beyond? But that's
1: kind of where you led to right here. So I'm going to let us... Above and beyond... Hold on. Above and beyond has to be, like, uh, extra features, I guess you would say. Okay. What do you mean night night sights, threaded barrels, just different options, maybe. You know, where, like, I know Smith & Wesson was good for that with the M&P. It's like, hey, you can get it with the... The threaded barrel and the suppressor sights, you could get it with the 5-inch barrel. What else did they have? Because well, when I did the armorer's course, there was all these options, you know, because we got to pick a gun at the end of the course, and it's like, oh, well, which one do I want? You know? So, they had they had a pretty good variety. So, for me, that's going above and beyond. See, because I, I think I, mine differs a little bit from yours, okay. and I
0: think for a standard firearm, I feel like minimum it has to have at least two magazines, Period, has to have two magazines. I can deal with a cardboard box because most people end up getting a case afterwards, so I can kind of understand not necessarily having the best box, per se, but I will say a lot of people do appreciate a better case. so I would say a hard case is almost kind of a must nowadays with uh, some kind of foam padding, and you have to have some kind of cleaning kit with it, some kind of base cleaning materials. Oh, very good. Now, there was one thing I was really, I was, I was really waiting for you to touch on that. I was surprised you didn't, because I think that's a lot of things people forget with is
1: right out of the box, you really should clean your firearm right out of the box. I Some people... Yeah, don't. I mean, it's, it's the oil that's, the oil and uh, grease that's all there is for uh, preservation purposes. So it gets to you without rust, not necessarily functional mm-hmm. lubricant. Clean your gun. I, I hate this concept.
0: <sighs> Hate's a strong word, but it's an accurate word. And this concept of that you shouldn't clean your firearm and it should work right out of the box. Well, your car runs. I've seen what happens when you do that. Yeah, exactly. So- it just leads to errors. They're machines. They need to be oiled. They need to be lubricated. They need to be maintained. And right out of the box, come on, you're it, that's been in transit for how long? That could have been sitting in the shop for how long? Most shops, they don't clean used firearms, let alone clean new guns. We That's one thing. We don't clean new guns at all. Like I mentioned previously, we do clean used guns because we want to have a better presentation. But the else yep. we'll do with new guns is just kind of wipe the oil off them from the factory so your hands don't get greasy. We really yeah, don't exactly. mess with the new guns. Yep. So for going above and beyond, though, for me, I got to say this, Tyler. When a company that costs less gives you more, like a holster, awesome cleaning kit, like three mags, a nice case, the works, mm-hmm. Stuff like that, that they know that right out of the box, you're going to be able to go to the range, put it on your hip if you absolutely need to, and get out of Dodge.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's what separates yeah, it, some it, It's nice when they have the new firearm owner in mind where it's like look this is kind of like your one-stop shop where like this will this will get you going
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's setting you know, it at the opposite end you have people that already have all the the equipment they're like net nah, do i really need all that well and that's
0: kind of what i was just about to get in with it is when you were saying the the buying experience and going on further with it going out afterwards is a lot of guns like uh you know hk i'm going to use them for an example great product mm-hmm. they make one of the best if not the best handgun on the market yeah. and arguably the best handgun. Arguably. No compromise is their motto. So when it comes to HK, you really don't get a whole heck of a lot out of the box. You get the gun, I think two mags. I think actually they do give you three mags. So I will say they give you they give you that extra mag most of the time, which is good because okay. their mags are expensive. They're about like 60 bucks, I think, 50, 60 bucks, something in that ballpark. I was going to say, I don't know. I've never bought an HK. I
1: can't afford that. <laughs>
0: Well, oh, oh, I got my USB nine, which you still have to shoot. It is a awesome. It is an awesome I handgun. I, I absolutely love that pistol. Shout out the USB nine, just fantastic <laughs> handgun. It really is, man. It's, I love it. It was one of the first modern. I say modern, even though it was designed in the nineties and Mm. you know modern era pistol that i just i fell in love with it the second i put my hands on it it was just like this just it fits right it fits right it has a natural point of aim i will say the usp9 in my eyes is arguably one of the the best handguns ever made you know that's another thing is too when it comes to gun companies is what makes them good is how long are people talking about their guns or how often do they really need to re-innovate the firearm too is i know that's something you said earlier was Mm -hmm. you know innovative new ideas but there's some companies that they really don't see the need
1: to reinvent the wheel or really change well, things again, up. Well, again, okay, if you look at H&K's history, I mean, <laughs> they did a lot of innovating early on. And, I mean, a lot of prototypes just flat out mm-hmm. didn't catch on, you know, probably didn't even hit the market. But, you know, the stuff that was marketable, man, I mean, they freaking nailed it and they stuck to it. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, it, the thing I was
0: kind of getting at was the MP5 there too, was they... They keep trying to surpass the MP5 with newer firearms like the UMP and stuff like that, and people just yeah, keep it'll always be the MP. Pack to the MP5, which is which is just funny, but that's that's more for military contracts and police contracts, not for us peasants. Mm. And yeah. so we get the SP what was it SP9, SP9 or something, the SP5. Mm. And so, so for us peasants, the the next thing I think when it comes to firearms we were talking about quality control dealer support customer support value for your buck The another thing is the warranty for a firearm and I think I, I think the warranty speaks volumes I know Tyler from you as a gunsmith perspective you probably want no warranties and you want everyone to not back their product so they bring it to you exactly <laughs> give me all your monies <laughs> but, uh, but I think a, a warranty really says a lot about a company And, uh, you know, before before we started recording this episode, I actually looked up a couple just to make sure I was I was right on a couple of them. And one actually surprised me. And they said it was a one year limited warranty, but contact us. And I think that says a lot, too, because they're saying, hey, let us let us try and fix the mistake or let's let's talk. Mm
1: -hmm. So plus I'm sure they want to see like general consensus. Okay, what's what's failing out there? in use cuz you know you could you know test your products all day long different things are going to break under different circumstances even in different environments different climates yep so it's one of those things like hey this might work great in the northeast where we live but in Arizona where it's hot and dry this just deteriorates oh absolutely
0: and how is a company themselves
1: going to improve on their own
0: quality control if they don't get to talk to the consumer or the the consumer or the dealers do not send
1: the products back to the manufacturer to get looked at. Yeah. So now I've had experiences where customers have brought me guns after saying, hey, I've sent this out to the manufacturer for their warranty program. I got it back. It's exactly the same. I don't even think they touched it, but it still took six months. So Mm -hmm. whatever it takes, make it right. Yeah. So. And
0: I think that's the other thing is too, service turnaround time with the warranty. I think that can kind of go... That's a variable, I think, because there's certain mm. times like we'll use the pandemic recently that we all know and hate as a good good example where a lot of there was more gun owners, more gun purchases in that time period than I think. And oh, yeah, and production went years. through the
1: roof. So, of course, you're going to get mistakes. A-
0: exactly. And especially when it comes to there's, there was a lot of reputable companies that I know make mm-hmm. a fantastic product. They make a quality gun and some stuff just slipped through the cracks. And especially with uh, wheel guns. I will say wheel guns took a hit during the pandemic, unfortunately. And, you know, I actually even, I I actually called Smith & Wesson at one point, and I had actually asked them what was going on with the supply of the revolvers, solely because I had a lot of people, I'm really blanking on which model it was, but people were just Mm. asking about it. And I said, you know what, let me give them a call. And they said, listen, it really has to do with how much time goes into producing a revolver for... Exactly.
1: There's a lot that goes into it.
0: Yeah, and I forget the number the the girl gave me on the phone, but she said basically for every one guy we have that can do revolver work, we have five guys that can do semi autos, (laughs) and that says a lot. And I think as a consumer, even as a dealer, I'd rather see a company put the gun out right the first time than and you know it come out slower and only get one or two trickling in and they're right. Rather than have them send out ten or twenty of them, and twelve to fourteen are awful, or even or even six of them are bad.
1: You know, yeah. and it's, it's one of those things too. If you look at volumes and uh, like it's manufacturing, you're always going to get duds that get out there. Mm-hmm. So even if you maintain the same percentage, like okay one percent one percent of our guns fail they have issues you know there's something breaks something wasn't manufactured correctly tolerances didn't exactly mash up mm-hmm. you know it's one of those things okay if it's one percent yeah if you send out a hundred guns that's one if you send out a million guns well now yeah you're starting to hear about more of them having issues even though the percentage stayed the same so uh, there's something else to consider when you're looking at high volumes like especially during the pandemic Where a lot of manufacturers start cranking things out because the demand's so high. Okay, you know, their percentage might not have changed. You're just seeing more of them because there's more of them out there. Yep. It's, I mean, you see that all the time with like, I'll
0: use Taurus as an example. And I will say Taurus, I think, has gotten a lot better in terms of quality control over the years. Mm -hmm. Like when years ago with like the G2Cs, I thought they were, I was not a fan of them. I always saw a lot of issues with them. What I'll say with the G3Cs, you know, hey, this is this is something that makes a good gun company, too, in my opinion, is responding to feedback. Responding to customer feedback, dealer feedback, and that is, in turn, making quality products. Like, I actually had someone today ask me about Taurus, and I, I never like to bash a gun company because I just don't think it's mm. fair. Because I think there's a lot of gun companies, and each one fills its own role where, like, they, I don't want to say they just, they don't work, you know. They have their certain place in the market. Whether I like them or not, I think is completely up for debate. And a customer asked me about Taurus today, and I said, I'll be straight with you. It's not my firearm. It's not the gun I own. Uh, you know, because they were asking about the quality of them. And I said, in the past, they did have issues because they, they had actually asked me about They said, hey, I heard they had issues. And I said, you're right. In the past, they did have issues, but this is something I think makes Taurus an awesome company nowadays is they've turned around with their product reliability. And I'm not trying to shill out for them or anything like that because I'm not. I don't own any Taurus products or anything like that. I and I said to them, you know, the thing that can impress me is if you can turn around and have a company that was known for unreliable firearms or, you know, consistently popping up in places they shouldn't, and then they're going to turn around and make one of the most reliable twenty two pistols on the market, that says a lot to me. And it goes a long way saying, hey, they heard the feedback, especially like with the G3Cs. I think the G3C, I'm not saying it has a good trigger, but it doesn't have a bad trigger. It's not like the I G3Cs. Say, I, I have no experience with those ones. Yeah, so it's, I think that goes a long way is companies listening to feedback and improving their quality control Mm. because there's a lot of companies that they went down in their quality there's there's a lot of big brand names who were known for once making great quality guns like remington oh yeah rest on their namesake you know what i mean and then they'll reintroduce what? an old product or something and then you'll they'll expect everyone to buy it solely on their name and then pay an absorbent fee for it it's just like no it's not the same product it was 20 years ago
1: yeah but even then i mean look at um you know Winchester mm-hmm. you know, these big companies have a history of i don't want to say degrading their products but they have to make changes for economic reasons you know they they're trying to get more profit in. And it's one of those things, a lot of times these, these guns are very expensive to manufacture and they, they have to try to cut costs somewhere because it, it just doesn't make sense to make it at that cost anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things, these companies, they, they keep making changes to make things cheaper. And then, yeah, it was once a great product, but okay, the Remington 700, you know, everybody loves those. Well, once you start taking them apart, it's like, I see what you did there. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's. I remember you and I were talking about that not too long ago. with this. And again, I. it's funny because before we did this episode, we even said, I don't want to talk down about any companies. But Remington is one that really does bother me and it hits me kind of close to home because they were an American company, you know, and they did so much for the firearm industry historically. Yeah. And it, it's a shame just to see... It's it's just a shame. That's that's it. I'm I'm not gonna go any further. Mm -hmm. It's just it's a shame. No, I know. And so, what makes the the next thing in making a good company, I I should say, is supporting supporting your people, supporting your customers. If if a customer reaches out and they can respond quickly and they can get back to them, I think that's awesome. If they tell the Mm -hmm. supporting your dealers as well too. Supporting your dealers. Yeah, this is something I really want to touch on because I. I'm not trying to ask for anything like that. I'm really not. But one thing that really helps me sell a firearm is when we get more more stuff to help promote it and more stuff to sell it. Like mm-hmm. One simple thing, this is going to sound like, this goes miles, in my opinion, is putting dealers on the dealer locator on their websites. There are yeah, some companies, absolutely. dude, there are some companies, I'm going to be, this is a rant right here, I, I, I hate. I absolutely hate when i call a company because i've called most major gun manufacturers and i've asked say hey can you add us onto the dealer locator and if the dealer if if whatever the manufacturer says they're if they're more like yeah just send us an email or send us a copy of your ffl or most will usually have some kind of dealer portal to kind of set you up with or you actually just have to call and they'll add you to the list and that's okay. what they should do because if you're selling their product they should have you on there so people can find you so you can go buy their product Now, what bothers me is when you contact a company and you're known for such a product and they don't want to put you on the dealer locator and they're just like, oh, well, you need to be an exclusive dealer with us to be. Yeah. Should I push this much volume? It has to be displayed in this manner. So so should we not sell your products and just not carry them in your store then or in in, in Mm -hmm. our store? I should say, like, should we just not push that? Well, well, no, you should still sell our products but the, but you won't put us on the dealer locator to help do you yeah. do you want like if you want us to sell your guns you got to help us sell your guns and you got to help us do that and i think shout out to a bunch of companies Glock they're very good about that Sar USA we just got an awesome thing from them they sent us a bunch of just really cool promo material that was just awesome <laughs> stuff like that Glock Glock is great about it I, I know I said them initially but they are just awesome about it Smith and Wesson was pretty good too for a while Six Sour was really good for a while too I remember I was getting they were sending like shirts and like a lot of like standees and stuff like that That that's just stuff, that's so cool because a lot of it will pass on to customers with like dealer promotions and stuff and like yeah. we said in the, the beginning of the episode is people love that that little extra a pen a patch a keychain a sticker I I can't stress mm-hmm. to these gun companies guys do more. Send that extra little bit. It's not even just for the people behind the counter. I'm I'm telling you, it's it's really that stuff goes so much further in selling your products. And I don't understand why you don't do it. Like seriously, yeah, I remember
1: the one uh the one gun show I went to, Car Arms was there, uh-huh. and they had a ton of hats. I mean, they were just giving away hats, and they they were. Well, what I would consider a decent quality hat. It's not something flimsy that you're just like, meh, well, thanks. It was a decent quality hat. And by the end of that day, I mean, most of the people walking around had one of those hats. Exactly.
0: I want you to go back and look at SHOT Show, okay? Anyone who's listening to this episode, do me a favor, go back and watch this year's SHOT Show and go and look in the background and see what bags you see the most often. Because I know what bag it is and I know what company it is. And I I spoke to the rep about that, and I said, I saw what you did there. I saw the videos. I'm not dumb. Yeah, it's going to get all more eyes. (laughs) Exactly, and that's the thing. If you want to sell more of your guns or you want to sell more of your product in general, put your name out there. I mean, look at all these soda companies and all that stuff or even shoes or anything like that, and I know guns, it's a little bit different to market just because of the nature of firearms but like just for customer support dealer support send in like hey if you buy a gun we'll send you a t-shirt or we'll send you something like that i i just i can't express how simple and how much it must not cost these companies to do something like that like mm-hmm. it, it's just it's so it's so simple if from a dealer side we can do that every now and then and you know we're not the same multi-million dollar company or multi-billion dollar company as some of these other why can't they do it? I just don't understand. Like, do they not want to push their product? Like, I love getting it. anytime I get a shirt from a gun company or I buy something, I kinda want to get something else to rep the product. Hell, when you and I were talking about when we build the AKs, we want to get a we want to get shirts with the like, you know, all the manufacturers of AKs. Mm. So stuff like that. Anything. Like just and they're not even in business, those companies. <laughs> Half of them haven't
1: yeah. been around since the fall of the Soviet Union. And <laughs> So say I would like to back it up one one bit though. Yeah. Because I recently dealt with a uh, muzzle brake manufacturer who I am I'm on their website as a you know certified installer, though I've never honestly purchased one through them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, got set up with them, dealer account, whatnot, on their website. And I had a customer, you know, the OD of their barrel was on the smaller side for what I would like to do, I, I think I wanted to do a 5.8s 24, and mm. I emailed them saying, hey, what? Yeah, you guys are the muzzle brake manufacturers, you know the quality of the steel you're using, this and that, so what what would you recommend for this? Nothing. Weeks go by, nothing. I fucking ordered through somebody else, got the muzzle brake on, installed, back in the customer's hand. It was a month later that they contacted me, like, yeah, we would still go with half 28. It's like, fuck, that job's gone. You yeah, guys like, missed your mark. Yeah, and it's again, do more. And I, again these
0: companies, they gotta have more people. I can't imagine I mean, there's are small shops at times, but
1: especially even the if it companies. is a small shop, I mean correspondence is important. Exactly. Other if you don't have correspondence, you're just sitting in a fucking room by yourself. You know, there, there's no money coming in because there's nothing going out.
0: And especially to a guy like yourself who's listed on their website as a dealer, a certified installer of that product, you can't respond to them. Yeah, you're going to leave me in the dark? So He's like, all right, I won't install your stuff. So the second you told me that, because you and I had this conversation about them the other day, the second I thought, I was literally thinking, I said, if they're not going to respond to Tyler, who's a certified installer of their stuff, who like let's say I wanted to go buy something and there was an issue, what are they going to do for me? I thought, you know what yeah. my solution to that is? I'm not buying their product simple as that Mm -hmm. after if they're if they're going to do that for the dealer side of it for the
1: guy who's trying to install their products now who's trying to help it's not a very helpful website to begin with it's Mm -hmm. very vague and like you get the idea of what their muzzle brakes are and the sizes that they have but it's not like a e-commerce website where you can click a button add to cart that sort of deal Mm -hmm. you know which a lot of these more gunsmith specialized companies You you typically do have to set up like some sort of like, I don't want to say a dealer account, but an account and order either over the phone or send an email like I know uh, Shillin Barrels, who I typically go through. I mean, great barrels, great customer service, but it's not like you can just click add to cart on the website. You know, I physically have to throw out an email, you know, hey, such and such, this is the barrel I'm looking for, twist rate, all that. And then, oh, yep, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a wait on that. We'll let you know. And next thing you know, I get an email, you know, okay, maybe a month or two later, like, hey, just letting you know your barrel's shipping out, you know, credit card went through, everything's good to go. Mm-hmm. The That's communication is there.
0: Yep, I like calling distributors personally because I, I like having that FaceTime and actually being able to interact and build that relationship with them. I think it makes it more mm-hmm. personable than something like an email. But if I call, I also want to have them say, hey, this is so-and-so. And if they're, if they're not there, say, hey, they'll get back to you. And actually get back to you yeah. in a timely manner. And, and I will say sometimes, I, I can understand with emails being slower, but there are sometimes when you have a bunch of companies and they, and they say they have X amount of staff and they're working over the clock and they're doing all this, yet they have someone who's specifically meant to work in IT or meant to do... Yeah, Yeah, they they
1: have a a customer service person.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're not checking their Yeah. I digress. I think there's a lot in this industry that people need to do to do better, but I think there is a lot of great companies out there right now. And I think as, Absolutely. We're, as we're going into 2023, a little bit further into 2023, I think there's a lot a lot of companies that see that and they want to do more after the pandemic, especially with the fight for our gun rights ever so strong and just everything going on. We're, we all want to be on the same page and we all want to help each other out and we want to rep more of the
1: product and we want to get more people into firearms, not away from firearms. Yes. And that's one thing that it, honestly, if it's last on my list, because I think it is the most important last as in like, you know, the final thing you end on should have a punch and Mm -hmm. it's, it's gotta be core values, man. I mean, we've seen companies that have kind of sold us short, Yeah, you know, companies that we assumed were very pro second amendment because all they sold was guns and gun related items. And as soon as any sort of like, I don't want to say legislation hit, but like, they get
0: threatened with a lawsuit. So they actually get, and they just give all this money to the anti gunners just to appease them. Yeah, that makes us look awful. That Mm -hmm. you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that really annoyed
1: me. Absolutely. (laughs) If you can't, I'm a little heated up about that. Especially in this day and age, you know, the Mm -hmm. company's got to have core values that the customers align with. And they've got to wear them on their sleeves. Yep. You know, it, it's got to be up front. Hey, this is what our company is about. And, I mean, you don't always have to agree with it. But I'm definitely going to support a company that knows what they stand for. Exactly. You know, hey,
0: pro-gun, pro-America. That's it. <laughs> you know, again, we all just, we're all in this with the gun rights are. Not to get too preachy. You know where I'm getting at here, guys. Mm-hmm. Just a hobby this is a this is a lifestyle this is that, that's what i this mean a, man. it's uh, way of living it, exactly it's you know i sell guns we you and i both do a, this gun podcast together everything we talk about is guns and it, it is a lifestyle for a lot of us and so when you you have it under attack it's it, it's it's hard to support people who are willing to knuckle under so easily and that's mm-hmm. not something I appreciate. I I really, I'm very pro-2A, very pro-Second Amendment. And I think when it comes to this, we all need to be. And these gun companies really need to stand behind those values. And I'm not necessarily saying any political party or anything like that, because I'm not. Because there are good people on the other side of the aisle and, you know, any which way. Everyone has their own mm-hmm. values and beliefs. But I think when it comes to core values, they need to be pro-Second Amendment. And they need to show They're pro second amendment, not just saying it, you need to show it. Mossberg, I'm giving a shout out to them, man. Cause after uh, a bunch of like when Dick's sporting goods, they pulled all the ARs and stuff like that. Mossberg said, "Yep, we're pulling our stuff. And I said, hell yeah, man. Hell yes. They didn't even make any AR 15s at that time. And they were doing that. And I was so happy to hear that. That was just, they had our back and that's, I'm going to
1: end on that with, with my thing is the gun companies, they got to have our backs. That's it. Yep. Yep. All righty, Joey. So on that note, where can people find you at? So
0: people can find me over on Instagram at sitepicture762. They can also find me over on YouTube at sitepicture762 where I post, you know, the non-gun related content, kind of the hunt showdown stuff. It's still like. kind of gun related. It is. And that's something I want to talk about later on. We're going to do an episode on is guns and video games. Something I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But Tyler, where can they find
1: you at as well? You guys can find me on the socials, Precision Rifleworks LLC and at (laughs) www.precisionrifleworks.com. And also, you can follow Across the Gun Counter on Instagram at Across the Gun Counter and at our website, www.acrosstheguncounter.com.
0: All right. Thank you for everything again. Until next time, take care. Stay safe out there.
1: See you guys.